Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who truly understands the perils of rock and roll decadence. He is the captain. I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring Ghost Blimp, which is not only a great mystery, but also a great beer. Ghost Blimp is a double New England IPA ABV 9%, so drink it at home in your garage. And speaking of which, garage grade 5 out of 5 bottle caps. Woo-wee! A big cheers and thank you goes out to the great brewers of this fine beer, which is Tactical Brewing Company. And a big cheers and thank you goes out to new friend of the show, Drew, down in one of my favorite cities, Atlanta, Georgia. And a big shout out to Shannon in Boston. Next up, we have Danica and Jeremiah in Shoalsburg, Wisconsin. And a big shout out to Riley in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The Springs of Colorado. Next up, we have Haley from Henderson, Nevada. And last but certainly not least, we have a big cheers and thank you to our friend Margie in Florence, Kentucky. Everyone that we just mentioned, well, they went to truecrimegarage.com and they donated to this week's beer fund. And for that, we are forever thankful. And I was sent over the weekend a picture of a couple that got, we like the cut of your jib tattoos. So, big mistake. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for making mistakes on your body. So a big shout out to Sabrina as well. Cheers. For everything True Crime Garage, check out truecrimegarage.com. Make sure you sign up on the mailing list. We're going to have a mailing list garage sale again real soon. So make sure you go to truecrimegarage.com to sign up. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Run. 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 
Communications Operator Smith. Hey, this is I'm about to steal a sword. Okay. This is out here. There's a guy in the house right now. Is that house under construction? Okay, do you, do you have your address or the other, the other house's address? Uh, right at uh, 219 or 220, Cecilia Drive. And you said someone's breaking into it right now? No, it's, it's all open. It's under construction. And he's running right now. There he goes right now. Okay, what is he doing? He's running down the street. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I'll get them out there. I just need to know what he was doing wrong. Was he just on the premises and not supposed to be? And he's been caught on the camera a bunch before at night. Kind of an ongoing thing out here. The man that's building the house has got heart issues. I think he's not going to finish it. So. Okay, that's fine. And you said it was a male in a black t-shirt? A white t-shirt. Black guy, white t-shirt. And he's, he's done back run, he's done run back into the neighborhood. 911, what's the address here, emergency? Uh, I'm out here at Satella Shores. There's a black male running down the street. Satella, where, where, where at Satella Shores? I don't know what street we're on. It, stop, right there! Is it? Stop! Travis! Sir, hello, sir. Sir, where you at? Hello? Hello? Run. Run. February 23rd, 2020 should have been just another day. This was roughly about two weeks or so before everything started shutting down. The COVID-19 virus brought the United States and so many other countries to a dead stop. Our story takes place in the southeastern portion of Georgia. This part of the country stays warmer than other states, so on a Sunday, with some sunshine and temperatures around the mid-60s, this would be a great day for a nice, relaxing jog. Ahmed Arbery was a passionate young man. He loved many things, and he enjoyed running and being outdoors. On his day off, which was this Sunday, it was typical for Ahmad to work six days a week. So a lot of the time, Sunday was his only day off. And when it came to his day off, he took every advantage to enjoy the day to the fullest. Often he would get up early, so he would have the full day to clear his mind before returning to work on Monday. Many folks his age will sleep in later on the weekends, but not Ahmad. Ahmad was 25 years old and living with his mother outside of the small city of Brunswick, Georgia. Ahmad played sports in high school, and he was dedicated to staying in good shape. He could be seen jogging around his neighborhood regularly. I want to quickly point out that this is February 23rd of 2020. So some of you may be quite familiar with this case as the last few weeks the case has been in the headlines. But some of you may be unaware of this case, and really from a news standpoint, this case was buried. Really like sitting there dormant until Richard Fawcett got a hold of the story. Now Fawcett works for the Times and is, in my humble opinion, humble garage opinion that is, a mm -hmm. very good writer and incredibly fair. 
And that's really what is needed for this story. Somebody that is incredibly fair. This story really broke and changed dramatically because of him. Fawcett covers the South for the times, and this makes sense as he is in Atlanta. And I think it was early May that this case, the the news story and other portions that we will get into were just like everything else in our world. They were affected by the COVID-19 virus. So, you know, news was affected as well. And it really needed the news to get a hold of this story to change what was going on inside of this case. Now, Fawcett drove down to Brunswick to interview some people, truly canvassing the neighborhood, you know, asking people what they saw or what they may have heard, what they think they know about what went down. Brunswick is about four and a half hour drive from Atlanta. Now, because of Richard Fawcett and the New York Times, because they did such a great job on this case, and because I'm a longtime subscriber to the paper, I have quick, ready access to this material, so I relied heavily, almost exclusively at times, on the New York Times coverage of Ahmad's case. I think everyone will agree this that this has some parts that are quite complicated, and others that are really just so simple that it will outrage you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into it here, Captain. Again, we're talking about February 23rd. It should have just been another ordinary day, but it wasn't. And here's why. Ahmad was going jogging that day. Let's discuss where he was jogging. This was the Satilla Shores subdivision in coastal Georgia. According to Richard Fawcett and Rick Raj's May 18th Times article, they described the subdivision as such. Several of the homes are low-slung ranches of 20th century vintage, more cozy than fancy, and shaded by dramatic moss-draped oaks. Some backyards are bordered by the Little Satilla River, which is like a lazy on-ramp to a stunning jigsaw puzzle of waterways and wetlands stretching out to the Atlantic Ocean. Personally, this area of our great country I find to be so incredibly beautiful. Now, the Times goes on to say that by mid-February, so this is right around the same time as our story kicks off, concerns in this neighborhood, they were really ramping up because there had been property crimes that were mounting at this time. Cars had been broken into, guns had been stolen, one house that was under construction on Satilla Drive, which is the neighborhood's like main street, had been the subject of at least three emergency calls about potential trespassing. On February 23rd, there would be two more trespassing calls at the partially built house. The final call began with the sound of screams and shotgun blast. Now, sometime before 1 p.m., Ahmad went out for a jog. He was jogging in the Satilla Shores subdivision. A man standing in his front yard calls 911. He says that there is someone trespassing in the partially built home. The man he says that he sees looked like a man that was suspected in several break-ins in the area. I want to kind of go into something here a bit, Captain, before we move on. Because I've seen, I've read and heard different narratives as we all have in this case. 
And it's troubling because you don't know which way to go. You don't know which to believe. So you have to look at it all through your own lens and do your own little detective work at home and try to figure out what truly happened here. But one thing I want to clear up is there are several articles and several people that have said that Ahmad is the same man that was seen trespassing in this home before. To be clear and perfectly fair, we don't know that with 100% certainty. Right. He, he looks similar. Yeah, there's there's video of this. Um, again, we, we have nobody in his family stating for 100% certainty that it is him. Mm-hmm. They're going to state it's him 100% in other videos. Mm-hmm. But some of the videos that I believe most of the ones that I've seen were at night. Um, The family has not confirmed that they believe that is him. Right. So I want to be clear that here in the garage, no one is saying that Ahmad was the man who was committing these break-ins. And regardless of what is said on the 911 call, nobody knows for certain that Ahmad is that same person that was seen before. Right. And I haven't seen videos of quote-unquote break-ins the video that's been going around lately is of the house in question just earlier in the year. And unfortunately what happened here, and it happens a lot, Ahmad is a young black male and likely the color of his skin is the thing that these people calling into 911 are citing as him being the same guy Mm -hmm. or matching the description of. So now we have to talk about a couple of other people because this is where it gets very complicated very quickly. We have Gregory McMichael. Gregory is a former Glenn County police officer and a former investigator with the local district attorney's office. He retired in May of 2019. He is one of the people that sees a mod running. Gregory decides really with no knowledge or insight into this whole mess Mm -hmm. at all, in my opinion, that Ahmad is a suspect and Gregory is going to pursue this young man. So he and his son, this is Travis McMichael, grabbed a 357 Magnum handgun. For anyone that does not know, this is a rather large handgun. This often referred to like a like a hand cannon. And they grab a shotgun and they jump in the pickup truck. And off they go chasing after young Ahmad. There was a third man in another vehicle involved in this as well, and we will get into him in a bit. But the two McMichaels fully loaded and in their pickup try unsuccessfully to cut Ahmad off as he is jogging down the street. Eventually, Gregory McMichaels yells at Ahmad, stop, stop, we want to talk to you. The two then pull up next to Ahmad And the younger McMichael, Travis, he's outside of the vehicle. He's in very close proximity to Ahmad. Some people say that Ahmad is charging at him. Uh, It does appear that he's definitely moving toward him. I think to call it charging is painting a picture that is a very, again, it's not clear exactly what anyone's intent was during this whole mess. Well, it seems like there was two times that they caught up with the mod. The first time it seems like he's still running away. The second time it seems like he has a path that maybe he could become free, 
but he decides and turns into a confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point we have a mod who, who knows? I mean, again, intent. What are people thinking? What's going through their minds at the time? We don't know. We can't say that. But you have to wonder: Is he frightened for his life at this time? He attempts to grab the shotgun from Travis. Well, we could kind of assume that we have two individuals, both have guns. We don't know if Mod knows that they have guns, but I guarantee you he can see the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and these two individuals are chasing after you. That'd be some scary stuff. And according to the reports, and this is according to Gregory McMichaels, he says the two are fighting over the shotgun when Travis fires a shot and then very quickly there's a second shot heard on the 911 call and very, very sadly, Ahmad is killed. He was killed right there on the scene. I've seen it reported multiple ways saying that there was two shots, three shots possibly. Do you have like confirmation? Yeah, we can get into uh, the quick of the autopsy if if you want. Because so, what I heard was two shots to the chest, one shot that uh, grazed his right wrist. Yeah, so like any of uh, like a lot of cases that we cover, you have the public is not privy to every bit of information that law enforcement will have on this situation. And then the news, as said, be, a, a lot of this is because of COVID-19. And here, here somebody's going to go, there's just another person blaming everything on COVID-19. But no, really what I think happened here, Captain, is a, is a sad situation where this, this shooting needed to be looked at by a different agency, by different people, and it needed to be investigated. And it didn't really happen that way until the public outcry came to say, Hey, we think something else may have happened here. And really it took the news to be telling this story to get people to speak up and get this thing moving in maybe a better direction. And so because of COVID-19, it was slow to get to the news. The times didn't cover it until, you know, a month or so after the shutdown. And like every other case we've seen, when no news is coming out or it's coming out in drips and drabs, the the public kind of makes up what they think is going on. They fill in the blanks. Well, right, but when so, the whole country's in lockdown, it's hard to get together and protest. Right, and so what we have here is the, the quick of the autopsy report, which was released by GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, ruled Ahmad's death a homicide and that it was caused by three gunshot wounds he sustained during a struggle for the shotgun that fired those shots. So three gunshot wounds all came from the shotgun. One gunshot wound was in the upper left chest, one in the lower middle chest, and one gunshot caused a deep gaping graze wound to the right wrist. There were no signs of alcohol or drugs in a mod's system. Right. And so just to be clear, GBI is stating that this is a homicide. Correct. So we have a mod who was killed. And then we have the McMichaels say that they were attempting to make a citizen's arrest of a mod who they believe to be a burglary suspect. When a mod fought them attempting to gain control of the shotgun, 
Travis McMichael had to use deadly force to protect himself. What happens next is this case is sent to District Attorney George E. Barnhill. He's the DA in Waycross, Georgia. Barnhill writes a letter to the Glenn County Police Department. In said letter, Barnhill argues that there is insufficient probable cause to arrest either Travis McMichael or Gregory McMichael. He says that the McMichaels were legally carrying firearms. So Georgia is an open carry state. And most people would be surprised to find out that there are a lot of states that are open carry, Ohio being one of them. And these are not new laws. Mm -hmm. These are laws that date back from way, way back when. I didn't think they would be new laws. This sounds like the wild, wild west. Yeah, there you go. Um, And he goes on to say, Barnhill goes on to say that they were pursuing what he says, what Barnhill says, is a burglary suspect. And if Ahmad Arbery attacked Travis, then Travis is allowed to use deadly force to protect himself under Georgia law. Mm. So if everyone is right, well, then this should be the end of the story. A tragic end, but the end. It is not as it appears because there's a possibility that we are dealing with a situation where everything is not right, where maybe some people did some very wrong things. Is this another tragic and disgusting example of racial profiling where the McMichaels actually were the bad guys? And then we have to ask ourselves, though, too, what was Ahmaud Arbery doing that day? Was he out for a Sunday jog or was he looking to burglarize a home in that neighborhood? Did District Attorney George Barnhill actually take a good, thorough, and most importantly, fair look at what actually happened on Satilla Drive on that Sunday afternoon in February? Or did Barnhill turn a blind eye to a couple of white guys shooting a black man under the guise of protecting themselves and their neighborhood? So again, we have to take a look at it for ourselves, right, Captain? And we'll dive deeper right after this quick beer break. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. 
Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
right, tally ho, me mateys. Tally ho. Tally ho. Do, does anybody know what that means? Nobody knows anything of what I'm saying on this show. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> You're like one of those dolls with the string. You just pull the string and, and it just su- it says stuff something. comes out. All right. Well, let's get serious here, Captain. Um, because we have I've a, been serious. We have a very difficult case to discuss this week. There was a public release of the Glen County Police Department's incident report for what the report says the nature of the incident is a homicide at 219 Satilla Drive in Satilla Shores, Brunswick, Georgia. Glen County PD sent 13 officers and 13 police vehicles to the scene. The incident occurred around 1.08 p.m. It was reported at that same time. And police were very quickly at the scene on location and at the scene until just after 11.15 p.m. So they were there for quite some time, over 10 hours. Page 2 cites trespassing and labels Ahmad as the victim of homicide. Travis McMichael is listed as a suspect. Gregory McMichael is listed as a witness. And we have five other witnesses cited and their names are given, but... I don't feel the need to name all of them here right? unless, you know, if we get into the story later and find it to be necessary, we'll name them as, as we see fit. There is another individual named and listed as a victim as well. So this person would be the owner of the property that's in question mm-hmm. when we, when we say that Ahmad was trespassing. Right. And Again, I don't know that we need to give his name as well. I will say to the garage army out there, you can find these names if you so desire. This is all public information that we will be reporting today and tomorrow. But in my opinion, this is a very sensitive, hot button situation. So we want to try to play fair and not name people that might come under fire by way of social media. Truly, I believe this is a very unfair situation. I want to make sure that the garage can be part of a solution and not part of the problem. I'm just going to read pages three and four from the police incident report. On Sunday, February 23rd, 2020, I responded to the intersection of Satilla Drive and Holmes Drive in reference to shots fired. While en route, I was advised that there were shots fired and a male on the ground bleeding out. A short time later, I was advised the male on the ground was deceased. Upon my arrival, I observed Officer Minshew setting up a perimeter. I began speaking with Gregory McMichael, who was a witness to the incident. McMichael stated there have been several break-ins in the neighborhood, and further, the suspect was caught on surveillance video. McMichael stated he was in his front yard and saw the suspect from the break-ins hauling ass, that's his words, down Satilla Drive toward Buford Drive. McMichael stated he then ran inside his house and called to Travis McMichael and said, Travis, the guy is running down the street. Let's go. McMichael stated he went to his bedroom and grabbed his 357 Magnum and Travis grabbed his shotgun because they didn't know if the male was armed or not. McMichael stated the other night they saw the same male and he stuck his hand down his pants, which led them to believe the male was armed. McMichael stated he and Travis got in the truck and drove down Satilla Drive toward Buford Drive. 
McMichael stated when they arrived at the intersection of Satilla Drive and Holmes Drive, they saw the unidentified male running down Buford Drive. McMichael then stated, Travis drive down Buford and attempted to cut off the male. McMichael stated, the unidentified male turned around and began running back in the direction from which he came, and Rowdy, who is the, the third man, and we'll get to him in a bit, attempted to block him, which was unsuccessful. McMichael stated he then jumped into the bed of the truck, and he and Travis continued to Holmes, the road, and attempt to intercept the unidentified male. McMichael stated that they saw this male and shouted, stop, stop, we want to talk to you. McMichael stated they pulled up beside the male and shouted, stop again, at which time Travis exited the truck with the shotgun. McMichael stated the unidentified male began to violently attack Travis and the two men then started fighting over the shotgun, at which point Travis fired a shot and then a second later, there was a second shot. McMichael stated the male fell face down on the pavement with his hand under his body. McMichael stated he rolled the man over to see if the male had a weapon. Goes on to say, I observed blood on McMichael's hands from rolling the unidentified male over. Photographs were taken of McMichael's hands and were uploaded to Spillman under property number 20. I don't need to give that that number there. And it goes on to say, my Exxon... Body camera was on while I was on scene, and the video has been uploaded to Spillman under property number, and it's the same number. Glen County Coroner was notified, and Coroner Christy Roser arrived on scene. Coroner Roser pronounced time of death to be 146. Glen County CID was called to the scene, and upon their arrival, the scene was turned over to them. So pretty clear what was going on there, but we have a situation where obviously we need further investigation. We need other eyes to take a look at this to determine if in fact it was a lawful shooting that took place that day. Well, and they're going to talk to eyewitnesses that day. And you would think we have a witness that was trailing them in a vehicle that has video evidence. You'd think the police officers would be able to look at that video evidence right away. Yes. So this is, uh, I believe I said rowdy, but it should be Roddy. I kind of, he's not the piper, you know, from wrestling. Rowdy, rowdy. Um, This is his real name is William Bryan. So Roddy and William are the same person just to be clear when we're going through this. So we also have that letter. We have a letter from the district attorney, George Barnhill And I'll read a portion of that, but you had pointed out something during our beer break. It is interesting when you dive into this because there have been several district attorneys involved in the case in some manner or form, even if it's just recusing themselves and taking themselves out of the case. And you had mentioned it was supposed to go to somebody else, but there's a conflict of interest there. And so it fell to George Barnhill rather quickly. And here's what his letter states. And this is what we referenced earlier, where we're talking about he's saying insufficient evidence to arrest either Travis McMichael or Gregory McMichael. And I'll kind of skip around through this so we don't have to read the entire thing. But he says, my office received the Arbery autopsy report yesterday and have reviewed it. 
we were waiting on this important evidentiary article before finalizing our opinions. However, since we were initially requested to handle the case, the victim's mother has clearly expressed she wants myself and my office off the case. She sees a conflict in that my son works in the Brunswick District Attorney's Office where Greg McMichael retired some time ago. She believes that there are kinships between the parties. He says there are not. And has made other unfounded allegations of bias. As such, I believe it is better for my office to step out and am going to recuse myself and the assistants working for me from handling the case. I am contacting the Georgia Attorney General Office and seeking their assistance in finding another district attorney in the state to handle the further evaluation for prosecution in this case. That is to determine whether there is sufficient evidence on which to make a grand jury presentation or not. This is back to the COVID-19 stuff. Given the governor's current shelter-in-place order, I cannot venture a guess as to when they will move on this request. He goes on to say that he hopes that this is that it moves along as quickly as possible. And then I don't know if this is required in these types of, of letters. I've seen this several times before, so maybe it is in certain states. But he's going on to to list his experience as being a district attorney and how many homicide cases he's worked, murder cases he's worked on over the years. Uh-huh. Now What pertains to this case, he says, it is my professional belief the autopsy confirms what we already viewed as shown in the videotape with the photographs and from the witness statements taken immediately at the scene. The autopsy supports the initial opinion we gave to you on February 24th. This is when they said there was not sufficient evidence to arrest the two McMichaels. We do not see grounds for any arrest at this time either. Of, of all three of the parties. He goes on to say that it appears Travis McMichael, Greg McMichael, and William Bryan were following in hot pursuit a burglary suspect with solid firsthand probable cause in their neighborhood and asking slash telling him to stop. It appears their intent was to stop and hold this criminal suspect until law enforcement arrived. Under Georgia law, This is perfectly legal. Next, he says, it clearly appears Travis McMichael and Greg McMichael had firearms being carried in an open fashion. The investigation shows neither of them to be convicted felons or under felony supervision. They were in a motor vehicle owned by Travis McMichael. Under Georgia law, this is legal open carry. And fifth, he notes the video made by William Bryan clearly shows the shooting in real time. From said video, it appears Ahmad was running along the right side of the McMichael truck and then abruptly turns 90 degrees to the left and attacks Travis McMichael, who was standing at the front left corner of the truck. A brief skirmish ensues in which it appears that Ahmad strikes McMichael and appears to grab the shotgun and pull it from Travis McMichael. The first shot is through Ahmad's right hand palm, which is consistent with him grabbing and pulling the shotgun at the barrel tip. The second and third wounds are consistent with the struggle for the shotgun as depicted in the video. 
the angle of the second shot with the rear of the buttstock being pushed away and down from the fight are also consistent with the upward angle of blood plume shown in the video and that McMichael was attempting to push the gun away from Ahmad while Ahmad was pulling it toward himself. The third shot too appears to be in a struggle over the gun. The angle of the shots and the video show this was from the beginning or almost immediately became a fight over the shotgun. Given the fact that Ahmad initiated the fight at the point that Ahmad grabbed the shotgun under Georgia law, McMichael was allowed to use deadly force to protect himself. Just as importantly, while we know McMichael had his finger on the trigger, we do not know who caused the firings. Ahmad would only had to have pulled the shotgun approximately a 16th to an eighth of one inch to fire the weapon himself. And in the height of the altercation, this is entirely possible. Ahmad, so he's saying he committed suicide. No, he shot the shotgun himself. He, he what what he's saying is that I don't know why we're listening to what this guy has to say. Anyways, he decided not to take on the case, and I think he wrote this letter as a, as a rebuttal to the fact that Ahmad's mother said, "Hey, he's connected to this individual that we're trying to charge, and we just don't want him on the case." And so instead of just going away quietly, he's like, well, let me give you my opinions. And I think that's because he's trying to sit there and say, well, there is no conflict of interest and, and I'm professional and this lady doesn't know me. So I, I think making this statement and re and having this statement be released to the public, is just a stab at her to get back at her for her comments. I find it to be something completely different. He's, he's being asked to give his an opinion. He, he was, he was. Charged who asked him? Well, he was charged with making a decision, his office to make a decision on this very case. He's giving what his opinions are based off of the evidence as he sees it. I want to be very clear there. As he sees it or his office sees it, it's mm -hmm. their opinion. But you're stepping away from the case. But no, but what he's saying, Captain, is that he has been asked to step away from the case by the victim's mother. Uh -huh. And he's in the process of making that happen. But because he's been required to give his office's opinion, he's giving it, but he's giving a, by the way, I'm asking to be removed from this case. And I don't think my office should be involved in this case. Right. And that's why again, don't need to hear your opinion. Yes. You were asked to give your opinion. You were asked to be involved, uh, or you're assigned to be involved. You're asked to step away basically from the victim's mother again just step away and don't say anything or take on the case right but i'm just i'm just pointing out that i don't think he would have been doing his job in the moment uh to not offer what? but well the first one that stepped away she didn't offer her op opinion she didn't write a letter right but there was a clear th there was a clear reason to recuse oneself from that and that's when his office was charged with looking at the evidence and coming up you don't think there's a clear indication of a conflict of interest in this 
I'm not. I, I don't want to judge whether there is or not. What is obvious to me is it wasn't clear to him in his office that there was. It had to be pointed out by the victim's mother. So that's where this stuff falls into. Again, where it kind of sits and it, and it wavers while we are figuring out who is the who should be looking into this case and making a ruling. Well, and and just a side note. There's a lot of individuals that go, man, there should have been an arrest and there should have been this done and, and th- these things weren't done. And that's and that's because this boy was black. And clearly, the the first prosecutor is not going to take it on because we have a clear indication of conflict of interest. I think there's a clear indication of conflict of interest on the second prosecutor as well. But either or. The victim's mother asked him to step down. So those are the reasons there were delays. I mean, on top of that, the COVID virus. So I don't think it was like this nefarious thing that the hands of justice weren't moving uh, fast enough because people were trying to prevent them from moving forward. Correct. And I think that that's the biggest misconception here in this case, where I think there's a lot of people out there that don't know much about the facts of the case, and they are under the assumption that somebody was trying to cover something up. Right. What what I would suggest here is what we pointed out at the top of the show. This needs to be looked at through our own lens, through our own eyes, and make a determination because here's the problem. Again, somebody has to investigate this case. And at this point in our timeline, we've had people that have been asked to do it, charged with doing it, and then they have to recuse themselves. Mm-hmm. So he, I just finish up his letter real quick here. He goes on to say that Ahmad's mental health records and prior convictions help explain his apparent aggressive nature and his possible thought pattern to attack and armed man he ends by saying it is our conclusion there is insufficient probable cause to issue arrest warrants at this time as to any further issues on whether to present this to a glenn county grand jury that will have to wait for the next district attorney's review please consider this an open file until that decision is made and restrict the release of any information under georgia open records act request. So that's where it stood until really, in my opinion here, captain, until the video came out. Yeah. Again, is this because, I mean, the court systems have been at a standstill anyways, because of the COVID. Mm -hmm. So is it because of that or was it taking a long time? And we, we have an individual that you're going to try to bring charges. If you're going to bring charges against them, what are they? Murder, murder in the second degree, manslaughter. This guy was a retired police officer and somebody that worked, uh, did investigative work for prosecutors. So how many individuals does he know in the system and how long is that going to take you to find somebody that's qualified to even be able to investigate this um, without any conflict of interest? Yeah. And therein lies the problem. Um, And as you said, he's connected to so many people that that's where I think it's not clear or wouldn't be immediately clear to some of these offices to remove themselves immediately from 
the case. What I feared was going to happen here is that we would get to a point where who's going to take it on? Somebody has to. Right. And if everybody keeps removing themselves, then where does it go? Thankfully, GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, will take over the investigation itself, which is which is great because that's a very good, upstanding organization. In fact, we discussed them at length last week right. for our Casanova uh, killer case. So let's talk about the video real quick because this is what I think really helped to generate things in a completely different direction. A video of the shooting was uploaded on May 5th on a website for a local radio station. This is WGIG, which was received. They received it from Gregory McMichael, from one of the people in question. But it was removed within two hours for being too graphic. And anybody that's seen the video will agree with that statement. The video was then uploaded to YouTube that same day. Ahmad's family's attorney posted a 28-second segment on the video on Twitter. I did not see that. The video of the shooting went viral. Glenn County Police requested the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to look into how the video was publicized. The Guardian published an edited version of the video on May 6th. So it's out there. And very quickly, what we see here, Captain, is... Georgia Bureau of Investigation found probable cause to charge Gregory and Travis McMichael within 36 hours of taking the case on. Yeah. So on May 7th, they arrested the pair on charges of felony murder and aggravated assault. The Michaels were booked into Glenn County Jail, and they did have their appearance before the magistrate the following day. This will eventually lead to a third arrest where we have William Bryan, the man who filmed the said video, Mm -hmm. who was eventually charged. This was on May 21st. They charged him with felony murder and attempted to commit false imprisonment. This according to the arrest warrant. Well, and as the video went viral, you had people like LeBron James and and other celebrities uh, retweeting it out as well. Yeah, and that helped uh, to get it in front of the public, who then calls into question, really, what the hell's going on here? And is it necessary to make an actual arrest, in which we see GBI makes that happen very quickly afterwards? I did want to point out, too, here, Captain, that we did have Ahmad's 26th birthday would have been May 8th, so just a couple weeks ago. And on this day... Thousands of supporters gathered, and they did a uh, I Run With a Mod run. It was a 2.23-mile run, and the, the 2.23 is to remind us all that he was shot and killed on February 23rd. I think some people did a 2.26 because he was should have been turning 26. I know Oprah did a 2.26. And now that's where the case sits here, Captain. We have three people charged with felony murder. We have Ahmad who we've lost, and we're, we're sitting here waiting to figure out what is going to happen. How are they going to hash this thing out at trial? The event itself 
plus the videos lead to a lot of speculation, a lot of opinions, I think. Mm -hmm. And instead of diving into that right now, we wanted to save that for a separate episode. So we wanted to give you kind of a breakdown of if you heard about this case but didn't know much about it, this is kind of what's going on. Yep. And now we're going to wait for the next steps. We have some very strong thoughts and opinions on this situation, and we're going to get into those tomorrow. Well, and the problem that we have here, Captain, and that we're always going to be faced with is the fact that the McMichaels were not arrested until, was it 70 some days after this event after the death of Ahmad. And that sparks the debate of racial profiling in America. And it really called into question the efforts of the Glen County police department and the Brunswick district attorney's office. They've been nationally criticized for their handling of the case. And more importantly, the delayed arrest. Right. But you can't get a You can't get an arrest, right? Unless you have a, prosecutor on the case who says that hey there's evidence to arrest this guy right. or these guys there's reason to charge them with this and this and we didn't have that what we had immediately was the brunswick district attorney's office saying we can't take this case and then we have barnhill who says look everything that happened it went down like this and it was within the law of georgia law there was nothing illegal what the McMichaels did. They were allowed to open carry. They were allowed to defend themselves. The problem is within those words and those decisions and those opinions, what we have here is the labeling of Ahmad as a burglar, that he was there to burglarize this property. Now we know that he trespassed, but we can't say for certain that he was there to burglarize this property. And that's where this whole thing gets really messy. And I wanted to make sure, we wanted to make sure that we spent this first episode going beyond the headlines because the headlines are stunning, but the headlines are also, they're just shockingly bad because depending on which ones you read, it sounds like, oh my God, some racist white dudes did some horrible thing. And then other, other headlines read completely different that Ahmad was a terrible guy. And so... We wanted to spend this episode to dive into what exactly is going on and give you the facts of the case that are behind the headlines. All right. We want to know what you think. Go over to truecrimegarage.com and leave us a comment on the blog but be respectful because if you if you put garbage we delete the garbage we don't need that knock it off and if you want more garage check out all of our old episodes are available on the stitcher app and if you go and get stitcher premium you can hear our other show off the record the captain and i recorded a fantastic off the record yesterday lots of talking lots of chatter lots of good true crime talk and, and we discuss the case, missing girl case in Ohio, Madison Bell, recently found safe. Until tomorrow, be good, be kind, and don't litter.
Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.